are listening to EE Times on air, and this is EE Times Current. I'm Eric Singer. Today's episode highlights an EE Times special report: What RF Wireless Needs Now. In this podcast, Nitin Dahad, editor in chief of Embedded.com, talks to Mariam Rufagarin, CEO and co-founder of Movandi, about 5G millimeter wave in terms of trends, opportunities, and challenges for deployment, and what progress she expects over the next 18 months or so. And now, on to our special report. I'm speaking to Mariam Rufagarin, CEO and co-founder of Movandi. We're going to talk a little bit about the trends in 5G millimeter wave and, and RF uh, wireless in general. Mariam, hello. Hello. Uh, let's start a little bit about some of the um, trends in 5G and millimeter wave. I know earlier this year you did a thought piece on the key trends at a higher level. Maybe you just want to start with that and then we can talk a little bit more about some of the areas of adoption and challenges. So tell me a little bit about the trends, please. Sure. As we know, 5G is a new technology. Over the past couple of years, operators have been trying to basically bring 5G up. And I think they've done a decent job with the mid-band because that's more of a sort of upgrade to 4G, if you look at it, especially as it is today. Mm -hmm. uh, It's more work with adding the low latency network slicing and all those that bring (laughs) better kind of all promises of 5G. On the other hand, on the millimeter wave, it's a completely new technology. And that has been, that has its challenges, but a lot has been done again over the past couple of years. We have done a lot. Other companies have been working on it. And so there are products, there are actually products that are available and the solutions out there that could be deployed. But again, over the past couple of years, the focus of everyone has been bringing up 5G mid-band because that supports uh, more of mobile and broad kind of mobile applications. With 5G millimeter wave, it's more of dense areas, even urbans. It's more of it trying to uh, improve capacity, which is always an issue with, with 5G mid-band. And as we go further, Starting, we've seen all the fixed wireless access discussions that have come up and the work that has started and operators have actually started doing mid-band fixed wireless access as well as a millimeter wave. Okay, so, so, sorry, just before we do that, just maybe for some of our listeners who are just on the borderline of the, in, in the industry, what's the context? Why do we need the millimeter wave? It's obviously for the greater capacity. Uh, it's for greater capacity. Uh, basically, I think, uh, you know, it gives you a lot more. It's the way to look at the millimeter wave is at the end of the day, everyone talks about having access to internet and having decent group and being able to get now. I think everyone's talking about 100 megabits per second minimum, et cetera. And if you want to go and provide that to houses or provide that to basically to the enterprises and all that, you either have to have fiber or it's going to be challenging, right? Because yeah. going and having fixed wireless access with uh, mid-band, you can support it, but it gets very quickly saturated. I think right now, even operators who are using that as soon as they start using, especially as it is right now, because it supports both mobile as well as broadband, they run into problem with being able to support with that, right? The millimeter has a lot more bandwidth and it can act like a wireless fiber. Right. And easily support fixed wireless access. And that's why you see a lot more operators now are actually either are doing some or they're starting to 
do that or deploy that. And not only in the U.S., even in India, operators are looking at that. So for fixed wireless access, it's a, I would say it's a national way to do it, a national solution. But besides that, all this application, so it's a demand, the future demand that also needs to be taken into account. Today, our devices, none of them have really millimeter wave. And the cell phones that have it, it's not really that great yet because uh, I think there are more work needs to be done to bring the power yeah. consumption lower, etc. But as soon as some of these applications, including AR, VR, that everyone talks about, these gaming and some of these consumer applications come on board, and then you have a huge amount of data that you have no choice but not trying to get more bandwidth. And yeah. And that's the only way you can do it is supporting it with a combination of mid-band and millimeter wave. Yeah. And that and it, one of the trends they talked about was the AR and VR earlier this year. And I think for that be enabled, you need more of a focus on 5G networks for indoor applications. And this is what millimeter wave will pretty much enable a little bit. Exactly. Exactly. So, I, and I think you've seen now even Apple has the headset with that. And this is just beginning. If you look at the industry, everything starts with bulky solutions, expensive, but very quickly all these things are going to change. And the more devices with AR, VR, the more mobile laptops come up, then this whole millimeter wave adoption is going to get much more accelerated. It's already started to come up, but you'll get the uh, Look at very quickly adopted. Going back to that, one of the challenges that we know with millimeter wave has been the coverage. I think that's really the oh. only challenge. Okay. This coverage or directionality wasn't there. By now, it would have been everywhere, right? So any great technology comes with big challenges. That's the nature of things that yep. initially happen. And I think that's something that, again, we have been working on solutions to address that. There is more that we can do, and we're actually working with some of the tier one companies to make it even more our smart repeaters and solutions like that. Then there is more that even can be done there in interacting with the network itself, and not just being because what we have right now, even though it's a smart and it can work with the network, it could become even more efficient if you have the network to do to be able to somewhat control that as well over the air. And those are the kind of stuff we're working on. And I think with all these things, the coverage issue, et cetera, will become much, it can basically get solved, mm. will bring the deployment costs lower as well. So where are we in the industry? And I know this is a key part of your proposition, but where are we in the industry in terms of enabling that millimeter wave deployment? Is it purely because the modules aren't there or is it a technology challenge or what? I think it's a combination of few things. First of all, I still don't think that every all the service providers know how to use that efficiently. Mm. <laughs> so that's where you know some education around it. It's because again, it's a completely new thing for all these companies. Mm. Second, I think what's happening is that you're dealing. You still even with mid band people are dealing with this whole license issues and it takes a long time to get licensed to be able to put any base station or small cell outside on in the, on the streets, etc. So I actually think that with millimeter wave, because you can if you use distribute the distribution, if you use it in a way that some people are actually there are companies who are 
making a small devices that can go on the lampposts and the streetlights, which, mm. you know, they're there and they're small enough. You may not need to go through the whole process of getting license or it could almost, it could be a lot much cheaper than going and putting on to- towers, etc. So I think these things are in right now, as we speak, these are the kind of stuff that are being looked at and mm. discussed. And I, I think with what government just did with the broadband access funding, et cetera, allocating money to different states, the heads of the people in charge now are actually going back and trying to say, okay, yeah, you gave us the money, we have the equipment, but we still have these challenges of going and installing and mm. getting points of permit. I was, actually, I was actually participating in one of those discussions. So I think these things are now being discussed actively and there will, I'm hoping that things can get a little bit more accelerated and easier with deployment in this fashion, getting the license, putting it up. But, but I think, again, at the end of the day, this technology will become exponentially growing when devices have them in them and they, there's not a whole lot of premium charge for it and it performs well. And so, for example, my phone, I can get it for only a little bit more cost than adding a huge cost to it on top of everything else. And it performs. It doesn't, as soon as I turn it on, it doesn't get heated up, etc. If it gets to that level, then it'll be just, it's a chicken and egg. But yeah. usually it starts with the device. Devices have it, then infrastructure will they will be forced to have it. And I can see that happening in a few years, no question about it, because the same thing I was involved with when we brought Wi-Fi into cell phone. Our management did not even believe in it. Yeah. Because it was high power, it was high cost. It's a matter of time. It's innovation and it will happen for sure in a few years. But it takes some time to get there. Yeah, I had a very similar conversation with another RF entrepreneur a couple of weeks ago, some time ago in Silicon Valley. And he was talking about introducing Wi-Fi into things like Express and whatever. One of the things I think is challenging is, you said earlier, maybe... Uh, it might be there. The operators don't understand. I think education, RF is actually a very tough thing to grasp, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Usually it has been and it remains to be because that's where you actually start interfacing to the air where you don't know yes. what, what happens there. And I think a lot happens in digital, but at the end of the day, your RF analog is the part piece of where you really need to be able to know how it works, how it, you know, in the air, how it behaves. Yeah, I mean, I've, and I've seen it. It's not, it's not their fault because that's not their expertise, but, exactly. but I think, yeah, that's not, that's why we have been trying to actually work with our, and even though we're not providing the final solution, we, from the beginning, have been work, trying to work with end customers to, to make them understand how, what are the limitations, how they hmm. get around it, what can be done. It takes effort and time. Exactly. And I think the crux of it is you need to enable this 5G fixed wireless access, but deployment can be a challenge if you don't have the expertise or the ability with the technology. So part of your proposition is to enable that with your technologies. Just tell us a little bit about that. Again, not only building core technology, which we build our chipsets that are Today, we're actually doing it in seamless, pure seamless, but we're trying to make it power efficient, very, as much as you can, basically, mm. 
and that's used, it's because we also use a lot of programming digital in our chips, not just RF analog components. So it's, even though it's not a full system, but there's enough in there that makes things optimized, right? So that's one thing. That's our, as well as our chips as well. And then we have software that mm. we have on top of it. But, uh, and these are just to try to make a device stronger and better so you get more range with lower power consumption. But we, have, we also have used these chips and this algorithm, et cetera, inside our system, which we call it smart repeater. Repeaters have been just traditional repeaters have been out there for long and there have been a lot of challenges with them, interference, et cetera. But these are unique and differentiating because they actually sync with the base station. So they are smart enough to do to recognize the base station, which one that is from. And so we have some digital in it, mm. even though it's not all modem, it's part of the modem to make it low cost. So these are this can be very depending on the application, whether it's indoor or outdoor, they can this core technology can be used in, in different shapes or forms so to be installed inside or outside and fill the gaps, right? Where extend the range. Like if you have a small yeah. cell here inside the building, then you don't have to go and put another 10 or 20 small cells to be able to cover because you have walls, et cetera, right? Yeah. So you can use those smart repeaters. So these are small. This could be very low cost. And they can be meshed, cascaded, and extended arranged in the entire building. Yeah, uh, it's actually quite interesting because I think when I first in, in, interviewed Mavandi or wrote about you, I think it was around that repeater technology. And I think I had this visual image in my mind of you being able to send the signal around corners. <laughs> you can bend it, you can basically yeah. bring it inside the steering. And you don't need fiber to come to every room. And so you still need one source, but then but these little devices can connect to that source and can ensure that you can extend or go around the corners or, or get all the area covered. Um, and this is just our first product. But mm. as I mentioned, we're continuing and there will be products that could get control, more control with the GNOBB or small cell which can make it even more interesting. So even though you don't have full modem, you can actually implement as if it had a full modem uh, and do more kind of be informing on the, on the uh, right now in, in some cases, it just spread the signal inside instead of going and doing beam forming on the, S, on the SU side. So right. all those things can improve without having expensive or power hungry modems. So that's what we're working on as well. And, and then I think part of the deployment challenge, I think you said is, oh, sorry, part of the challenge is deployment. And I think you, you've done sort of work with companies that are doing repeaters on street lamps and using existing infrastructure and that helps in terms of enabling deployment of 5G millimeter wave. Is that right? Yeah, that's one of the main challenges that this service providers have, right? That, going and finding a place to put these devices. So even if you have a even if you have a low cost solution, let's say your GNODE was low cost, finding a place and leasing it and the labor, the load truck, you add all those things up in addition to the time that it takes 18 months to get permit and whether you get it or not. All these things add cost and time. Yeah. And I think that's one of the 
I would say one of probably the biggest challenges they, they have. So it makes it economically not that feasible. So that's why solutions to the existing lampposts, a lot of them are the ones that already have, maybe not all have fiber, but they almost mm-hmm. all have electricity. And uh, these lampposts, they have, there is a socket on top and the lights that yeah. basically you can hook a device on top of it, it provides electricity. And in many cases, if there is fiber, even fiber to it. And from my understanding, they're a lot cheaper, especially if your device is within a size limit. Mm. And I mean, you may not even have to be paying much for So it brings the cost much lower, especially if you can just do the quick install and then be able to, in, to set all the setting, et cetera, over the air, which is the model some of these companies are actually using. Like the Ubiqua is using that. So it could completely change the dynamic. Yeah. And I think a lot will go that route eventually. And I think, yeah, with so much talk over the last few years about smart cities, you'll probably see a lot more infrastructure around which you can piggyback onto to enable this deployment. Is that right? Exactly. You know, there is a whole lot, as you mentioned, with this so smart cities. And the smart cities have been in the talks forever, but I think now, again, some of this funding, et cetera, that the government is bringing, so it's, at least it's bringing whether the money comes in today or it comes later and with all the restrictions, but I think it's creating more momentum and more motivation for all the cities and, and companies to, to get these things done faster. So a lot is going on in that front too. So I think, I think, believe it or not, in the next few years we're going to see this with some of these real smart cities that everyone has been talking about. Yeah. So it's say let's put a little time frame on it in the sort of in 2023, 2024. What do you see in terms of reality, in terms of coverage, and also what do you see as in ter- in terms of te- technology developments? Because obviously. There are other t- conversations going on in the industry about work on 6G and whatever. And I think that will help in terms of 5G millimeter wave deployment, because as you move on, you, you refine the technology as well. So let, maybe just touch on both those points, both sort of coverage and technology. So I think coverage, uh, when it comes to millimeter wave, it's, it's still beginning. It's a starting. I think this year is still in the try a lot of trials, a lot of testing. I think next by next year, because there are a lot of CPEs that are being built, especially for fixed wireless. So I think 2024, we see a lot more than today. It doesn't mean that it's going to be a whole huge month, but I think mm. by end of 2024, we're going to see a lot more coverage and mostly some in dense areas, and some will be even distant areas that people right now don't have access to. But I think a lot will happen. I think it will get a lot more accelerated sometimes. And I think, I remember you when we last talked, which is some time ago, you talked about, I think, certain countries like US, Japan, Korea, India. Is it, are, the, are these a leading edge in terms of deployment at the moment? I think it's Korea. Because operators were, didn't want to spend money, etc., as their license was taken away by the government. Mm. But I think the leading ones right now, Japan has been working on it very much, and they've got it more aggressive. India, with Geo, and yeah. they're working on that. U.S., 
Australia is still going stuff. I think these are the four that are probably ahead, and some companies, some countries like Thailand, Italy, etc. But the main ones I would say are yeah, U.S. and Japan and Australia and India. Okay, but let's not finish on technology. So, what do you see as the sort of technology developments that will enable? maybe refinements or improvements to enable this over the next year and a half or so? So I think technology has been development, right? So I think, again, I think at the end of the day, what could drive this drastically and much faster is bringing the power, the de- taking this into devices, whether it's headsets or bringing them at Low, much lower cost okay. as well yeah. as power consumption. If mm-hmm. that happens, which I really love for that to happen, then I, I think it's a no-brainer and everything's going to happen quickly. On, on infrastructure, I think there are already solutions that are good and decent enough, but then again, okay. all these things are going to improve for on infrastructure and devices. And you mentioned 6G now is in discussions, right? It's funny because I was on a panel before and I said, yeah, it's so exciting and it brings sensing and goes to even higher. But there is still so much to be done on 5G. Exactly. And we should not just forget about that because whatever we're doing in, what we're talking about is 6G and 5G millimeter waves, they can emerge anyway. So I think uh, all those will help 5G millimeter waves as well. Yeah, I know. But I think everybody gets excited, too excited about the next G, but I know. <laughs> we're still on 4G advanced and coming to 5G now anyway. Mariam, thank you very much. Thank you. It was nice talking to That brings another episode of EE Times Current to its end. Thank you for listening and thanks to our guest, Mariam Rofagaran. EE Times Current is available through the major podcast platforms, but if you get to us at our website at eetimes.com, you'll find a transcript along with direct links to the other stories we've mentioned, along with other resources. EE Times Current is produced by EE Times. It was engineered by Taylor Marvin at Coop Studios. The segment producer was Stephanie Munoz. I'm Eric Singer. Thanks for listening. <laughs>